Welcome to another episode of Making Lemonade with Wit and Kels. My favorite day of the week. Right. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> we are here, you yes. guys. And our guest, you might know him. We mm-hmm. have talked about this family a couple times. Um, we did a big fundraiser dinner for them back in November. And we just love this family. Everything they've been through. Um, our guest today is the dad of the family. His name is Cash. And he tells us about his daughters. He has two fighting for their lives with MLD. And it's such a crazy disease. I'd never even heard of it before. Mm-hmm. And they are going through a lot, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, they they really are. And I don't know. I mean, in the communi- community, just to watch how... They get this diagnosis and just everyone rallies around them and they, there's so much into it. They, so much goes into everything. They have one daughter here, one daughter in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, Cash is here. The, his wife is with their other daughter. It's just, I don't know. There's so much and he's here and he tells us all about it and he explains everything and gives you guys more details so you get to learn about it. Yeah. Um, one of the things that he said in his well, he didn't say it in this episode. He said it after, but we want to, um, to share just it. share it. Is he said that when he first found out about his daughter's diagnosis, he got onto a group, um, an MLD group, and was chatting with some people there. And somebody told him to make sure to take care of himself. It's very important to take care of yourself um, so you're able to take care of your family. Yeah. And I love that because every time you get on an airplane, they're like, put your mask on before you put your child's mask on, you know, the oxygen mask that dropped down. So it's such a good analogy in life, not even mm-hmm. just in this situation. It is so important to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think Cash really took that to heart. Yeah, I mean, in his entire did. episode, he taught us so much. Mm-hmm. He was so informed and had so much knowledge about his daughters, their diagnosis, the treatment plans, mm-hmm. their options. He didn't go into it blind. No, no. He really took the time to educate himself and to learn. Yeah. And not only did he learn about all his children, he like all his children, learn <laughs> about MLD and his three daughters. Um, but he, it seemed like he just learned so much more. Right. You know, he oh, really yeah. just and threw himself into it. But also he took, he says he took care of himself. He got that advice and he just started trying to do more stuff for him yeah he started running mm-hmm. um and i was gonna say he also learned a lot about like gene studies and therapies mm-hmm. and options and i was blown away at his knowledge mm-hmm. like i think i'm a pretty smart person <laughs> uh-huh. and cash was on the next level yeah so yeah it was very it was very interesting it's such a good episode it's one of my favorite ones yes i um, agree i just i loved it and i hope you guys do too Yes. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I hope you guys enjoy this week's podcast. Welcome, Cash. It's good to have you here. Thanks for having me here. It's good to be up here in Preston, Idaho. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, the sweet little town of Preston. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love we, kind of, we kind of flip places, you know. You yes. Were, you grew up in uh, just over the border. I know. I grew up in Preston and now we're both in each other's hometowns. It's weird oh, because I did not think I was coming back to Preston. Not back. I didn't think I was staying. Mm-hmm. So when my husband brought me over here, I was like, we'll just be here a couple of years and then we'll be back in Utah. But no, 
He had other plans. He tricked me. <laughs> but it's a good, I know, it's a good spot. I like it here. Did you yeah. like growing up in Preston? Yeah, I did. It was really yeah. good. And uh, I really like, that's why we stayed so close. It's just a, mm-hmm. such a great place to grow up. Lots of things to do outdoors and a lot of good people up here. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Well, plus it's like really Utah. Let's yeah, be honest. I know. Cash, <laughs> we're Cash Valley. Like. Yeah. <laughs> it's Preston, yep. Utah. Yeah. Utah adopted you. Mm-hmm. Well, we're excited to have you here and to listen to you and learn from you about your daughters and everything that you've gone through over the last year. Yeah. Is almost a year? a year. Yeah. Almost a year. So all of this happened starting back in August. You know, you, you, you wake up one day thinking everything's normal with life and then all of a sudden one thing happens and your whole life just gets flipped. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened to us back on August 8th of 2021. Um, we were, we we're all home, uh, and you know, school hadn't started quite yet. We we're just getting geared up for that. And my oldest daughter, Leah, she was nine years old at the time. Uh, but she, uh, was out on the trampoline jumping with her little sister, Hazel, who was two. So they weren't going really intense on the trampoline, you know, cause you can't jump too high with a two year old. And we had a net. We're always very very strict on our kids about making sure that you only go on a trampoline if it has a net. But, uh, so they were jumping. And then the next thing we knew Leah had fallen out of the zippered door on and onto the ground and had gotten injured. So uh, we took her inside and we, we watched her overnight and she was having kind of some, uh, issues the next day with cognition and answering questions and talking slurred. And so, uh, we ran her down to the ER and they did a, a CT scan. And while we were waiting for the CT scan, it was taking a little longer than normal. So we're kind of feeling what's going on here. But the doctor came in and told us that uh, everything looked good concussion wise, but that they had found some, what's called a white matter abnormality on her brain. And so it looks like stuff was, was going on that they weren't sure about. And, uh, so we, this was a Saturday. And so we, uh, we had to wait until Monday till we could call down to primary children's and get a, get a, uh, an MRI set up. And so we, we got the MRI set up. Uh, within the next week and went down and got that done. And um, uh, I believe it was the 16th that uh, we woke up in the morning and my wife, Mandy, she'd, she'd gotten onto our IHC account and looked at the results of the MRI. And it, it had a really long word on it that we, we didn't really understand what it was. But uh, the word was metachromatic leukodystrophy. And then the, for short, it's called MLD. And we started looking it up online and just started crying. Just, and just one of those cries that's where the, that you cry when you, you lose a child or you know you're going to lose a child. That uh, We read that uh, it's, it's a terminal disease. They have six to eight years to live. And the quality of life is not good during those six to eight years. Once they start showing symptoms, uh, they go downhill really quick. Within a few months, they can be in a wheelchair on a feeding tube. Uh, MLD, 
what it is, is it, uh, it's an enzyme deficiency genetic disorder. And there are enzymes uh, that your body creates to kind of clean up uh, some things called sulfatides out of your system. And if these sulfatides, if the sulfatides aren't cleaned up, uh, what happens is that they'll rest on the brain and they'll start to eat away at the myelin sheath on your nerves and then eventually cause nerve damage and kill the nerves. And it progressively does that until it takes away all of your abilities to function, uh, all of your cognition. Um, and, and it's just a terrible and painful death to go through. So, you know, we were pretty bleak when we found out about that. We, we were prepared, we were preparing to, uh, start working towards the death of our daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, I hopped on Facebook that day and I joined a couple of metachromatic leukodystrophy groups that I found online. Right away, we had a couple of different people reach out to us and call us and, and give us some advice. And we got really lucky because uh, one of the best MLD neurologists in the country actually is right there at Primary Children's in Salt Lake. So we were able to call and get in with him the same day. And so we we took Leah, put her in the car and ran down and um, met with him. And uh, he took a look at Leah and did some testing with her and, uh, and, uh, he, you know, I, I'd flat out asked him, is my daughter going to die? And what he said was, uh, that he thinks that, uh, that she has a good chance of living. So that right there was a, a huge, a huge, uh, burden lifted off, off of us. Yeah. Now at this point, um, you know, we, we didn't really notice any symptoms of MLD, but, uh, um, as we got to learn more about the disorder, we started to recognize some, some symptoms that Leah had been having, uh, for at least a year or two, uh, that, that was the MLD happening. Uh, one of the big ones was that the MLD, it affects the gallbladder and she had to have her gallbladder removed that December before. Oh, wow. And so that's a big one. Also, when MLD starts to attack your brain, it presents a lot like ADD, ADHD, where they have difficulty focusing and paying attention. She had been struggling with math in school for at least a year. And, you know, we, we, uh, we didn't really realize it was the MLD because we, we thought maybe ADD. We also thought that she had been in school or she'd been out of school because of COVID for so long and had to do homeschool. We wonder if that was affecting her ability to do math. Maybe she just didn't have the attention she needed to learn it. But, uh, but in fact, it was the MLD that was causing all of this. Wow. So, um, I wonder too, isn't the MLD, it's like you both have to have it mom and dad, right? Right. Right. So how it works is it's a recessive trait, uh, kind of like blonde hair. Mm-hmm. If you go back to your Mendel's uh, 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 matrix, and where you do the P's back in seventh grade science, um, you both have to have, be carriers of the gene. So my wife and I are both carriers. Mm-hmm. 
And that means that our kids had a one in four chance of having MLD. Right. And then a one in two chance of being carriers. And so. Wow. But it's also crazy that you both, right? Mm -hmm. Statistically. Yeah. It's to have MLD, it's a one in 40,000 chance of having it. So it's a rare disease. Uh But uh, if you are a carrier, you have about a hundred, one in a hundred shot of marrying somebody who is also a carrier. So your odds go up quite a bit if you know you're a carrier. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, we kind of lucked out. We got uh, out of three kids, we got two with MLD, and mm-hmm. we have one that's a carrier. So, okay, um, we're not going to go play the lottery anytime soon, oh. <laughs> right? Uh, well, and how? I mean, you guys, you, like you said, it was a normal day. You're together as a family, and the next day, your whole world falls apart. Mm-hmm. How are you and Mandy feeling? Like, so I, I, I'm assuming you got your other girls tested once you figured that out. Mm-hmm. And what at that time, like waiting to see if they had it or not, like, what did your world look like? You can go from a happy family, three beautiful girls to nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, what did that look like? It's a, you know, a lot of anxiety, a lot of sadness. We just, we didn't know what to expect as we, cause it took at least four weeks for those genetic tests oh, to come back. That is a long time. It is. It is. It's a long time to wait and worry and wonder yeah. and mm-hmm. Um, Were you level-headed during this yeah. at all? No, we weren't level-headed <laughs> at all. I, I just, well, I'm not, but then I got the husband who is. And yeah. so anyways, he's, yeah. yeah. But a lot of that time was just spent learning about the disease and yeah. what to expect and, and what are the possible scenarios. Uh, we were really hopeful that, you know, one of our daughters could be a donor for Leah. And uh, that didn't work out because... You know, one had MLD and one was a carrier, so they couldn't be a donor. And tell us what they, what did she need a donation of? So the options to treat MLD uh, for Leah, they they wanted to do a bone marrow transplant. And I'll give a little plug for bone marrow donors right here. A lot of people think when you're doing a bone marrow donation is that they have to drill into your hip and Mm -hmm. pull marrow out of your bone. And that's not true 80% of the time. So it's a lot easier than that. What they do is they give you uh, a medication that actually pulls stem cells out of your bones, out of your bone marrow, and then they can hook you up to kind of like a dialysis machine, and they pull those stem cells out of your body that way. Dang. So if you ever wanted to be a donor, go to bethematch.org and register there. It's really simple. They send you a swab, swab your mouth, you send it back, and then you're part of that, and then... Uh, if that's, you ever do need to be a donor, they yeah, that's fly really cool. I'm gonna do it. Work. Like, do I qualify? Do you have to be uh-huh. yeah, perfect? You can do that. <laughs> yeah, I just did it a few weeks ago. So. Okay, I'm gonna go sign up. I didn't even know it was that easy. Yeah, yeah, and wow. they're always looking, especially with minority groups. That's the ones that they're really needing donors for. Okay. Um, Caucasian, they've got a lot of people there, but uh, yeah. the minority groups are what yeah. they need most. So you find out Leah has it. Uh huh. You find out Hazel has it, but it's different. Your two-year-old, right? How is it? Is it different a little bit? No, or it's actually it? it's not different. Uh, so we found out. You know, we finally get the test results back, and we just, uh, you know, we didn't know what to think when they called and said that Hazel had it too. Yeah. Just, just devastated and felt like giving up. That you know, two out of three of our kids could potentially die from this, and. uh Um, 
So the difference between Leah and Hazel is the level of progression. So Leah, uh, she has some significant progression with it, Mm -hmm. uh, even though she's just starting to show the symptoms. Um, But Hazel, there were hardly any indications of it on her brain. Genetically, she has it. But she doesn't have the damage on her brain that Leah does. So um, she will have a lot better prognosis than Leah does with it. Um, Now, one thing about MLD uh, that I need to point out is is we got super lucky. uh, Because when families find out about MLD, they usually lose their first and second child to it because it takes so long to diagnose it and figure out what it is because it, it appears like other things. So by the time that they figure it out, it's too late to do anything, and then they just have to watch their child go through this and then eventually pass away. And, and we've got we've had several families since we started this that have also found out, that have reached out to us, and it's, it's kind of hard uh, to do that. Um, and one thing I, I was talking to a, another mother who had a child who is surviving this, that they caught it early. And we talked about the concept of survivor's guilt. This is usually talked about, you know, when you, when you go into the military and you go to war and everybody else uh, is wiped out, but you survive and you feel like, why did I survive? Yeah. But this happens a lot with, with diseases too, because like we, we interact with all these groups of MLD parents and, and we see several times since we've joined this, we've seen posts about how these kids have passed away from it. And, and we just have a hard time relating sometimes to the, to the other families just because our experience is different with MLD than theirs is, you know, we don't have, the loss of life. We don't have the feeding tubes and the wheelchairs and, and all of that. And so, um, that was, that's kind of been a struggle. And and we talked to one of our, our MLD, uh, organization leaders about it. And he talked about how it's really a good thing to have the survivors who, who, uh, to be in the groups and to be there because it gives the other families hope. And they like to hear about, the people who are getting through this and it's going to be a lot more common of a thing now uh, with the way medicine's going that we're going to have more people survive these deadly uh, genetic diseases. Is it just a matter of them like getting diagnosed correctly? Like you said, it presented cause like I yeah. think of course I go to my experience with Bain, right? Mm-hmm. So where Bain, he presented differently for OTC and we were unlucky, but there's other people who they do, they find the right doctor who looks, I don't know, who catches it Yeah, type of a thing. So the first big thing that we, we have developing that is going to be a game changer is uh, prenatal and neonatal testing. With genetic testing, we're getting to the point where it's affordable. And, you know, if you want your whole genome sequenced, I think it's oh, $2,000 to $3,000 right now. And they will go and tell you every gene that you have in your body and what's going on with it. So as the costs of that come down, they will be able to screen for more and more things uh, right off the bat. And they'll be able to catch things like OTC and MLD and wow. and, and have intervention before it becomes an issue. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Now, the second part, so we've got the, the screening, is what do we do once, once we uh, find out that there's a genetic disorder? Now, Leah, she's got a, a traditional bone marrow transplant. That's what she went through. Uh, and the idea there is that uh, uh, what they have to do for that is they, they would give her about six months' worth of chemo within a week. And so it completely kills the immune system and they have to measure things very closely because they pretty much get her to the point of death where if they were to give her one more dose of chemo, it would kill her. Um, but they get her to that point to... <laughs> like how, how scares me. Yes. Yeah. And like you as a parent, like let's not skip over that. Yeah. Like yeah. you as a parent with your child. Oh, there's, there's a pretty significant chance that they pass away when they do a bone marrow transplant. Wow. The odds have gotten better okay. over the past few years with BMTs, but uh, it's still very high risk mm-hmm. wow. and it's very hard to see your child go through it and uh, yes. to see, to see them suffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but they have to do that to kill as much of the existing immune system as possible. Mm. And then, um, what they do is they find a, a, a donor and it, it's not like blood type. It's not a B or B negative. There's actually, uh, is it 12 or 13 proteins that they look at and they have to match tw- uh, 10 of them. And so it's a lot harder to find a donor, uh, for bone marrow transplants, but, uh, they need to find as many, as close as a match as possible for that. And Leah's donor is actually a young man from, uh, Seattle. We don't know his name or anything after a year we can, but, uh, uh, he flew down, did the donation. And, uh, so they give her the, they give her the week of chemo and then a day of rest. And then they introduced the new, uh, uh, bone marrow to her. Uh, and then, and it's just kind of a waiting game to see if it takes, you know, after a few weeks, we know if it's, it's what's called grafted, and, and held on and taken to her body. And there's still a chance of rejection. You know, she's on immunosuppressants now until at least August to help her body be able to uh, accept the new immune system. And right now, the immune system is doing awesome. With uh, BMT, they want to be at at least 85% of what's called a chimerism. And uh, that means that they want 85% of her immune system to be the donors. And then that means that 15% would be her old immune system. Okay. So you don't always, you know, a lot, most of the time you just don't have a completely new immune system. You still have some of your old one in there. And uh, so with Leah right now, she's at a hundred percent. So all of it's her new immune system. Her old immune system's completely gone which is awesome. That's what's going to, that's what's going to give her the best chance of fighting the MLD. Um, so if, if you know the word chimera, it's a creature with two different, uh, two different creatures put into one, but that's what Leah's going to be now for the rest of her life is she's got someone else's DNA in her body. So if you watch the crime dramas where they, mm. they had a murder and somebody was a chimera, they mm-hmm. framed the donor. And oh. so. <laughs> Dirty. That's so crazy. But, uh, yeah. Like how Leah will never have to do I that. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She'll Mind never be in that situation. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's just incredible that all these things you say and not, like all the big words, I don't know all of them, but like 
that, how they just change your DNA and they change. That's incredible to me. It's not. Like I can barely make an animal out of Play-Doh or something. And these doctors are (laughs) changing people's DNAs, you know, like. I love that we have this technology that yeah, helps that us. The option, that, yeah. yeah, for these these yeah. people, yes, these families. Thank mm-hmm. heavens for smart exactly. people. Exactly. Yeah. So the BMT, it's it's a it's a good option. It it can possibly completely stop the progress of MLD. Okay. Um, and you know it it can slow it. It just depends on the the different uh, patients i mean we've we've talked to parents who it slowed it down for them others who seems like it stopped it but yeah for leah you know we we're kind of early in the game but it seems like it has uh stopped the progression for now we, she got an mri uh, a couple of weeks ago and it showed that the progression hadn't moved any further for now so yeah we're really hopeful that that'll be effective enough for her that she won't need any further treatments mm-hmm. wow but, so what does Leah say about all this? I, I mean, know, I how has thinking. she been? And mentally, <laughs> yeah. like how? How did she take the news? How did you guys tell her? How did you, I don't know. Yeah, how has she been? Um, so with, with Leah, you know, she didn't, you know, she's only nine, so she didn't really understand what was going on. Um, right at the very beginning, before we even knew it was MLD, but we knew something was going on. Uh, I was putting her to bed one night and just laying next to her. And I, I just told her, I'm like, how do you feel about who you are right now? And she said, good. And she just gives me one at, one word answers all the time. <laughs> yeah. She's like, dad, what, what are you getting Typical at, dad? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, do you like who you are right now? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, what do you like about yourself? And she's like, I, I like, I like how I'm, I'm funny and I, like to read and and just gave me some examples of what she liked about herself. And I'm like, what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to keep you who you are right now. Are you okay with that? And she said, yeah, I like Mm -hmm. who I am. Mm -hmm. So that was really good. Uh, Once we found out about the MLD, um, one night I, you know, I took her out and we got on the four wheeler and we drove over to the Bishop's house to talk to her him about it and about the MLD. And as I was telling our Bishop about it, I could tell that Leah was a little confused about what I was talking about. So after we got home, we just kind of sat in the garage on the four wheeler and talked for a little while about, about what MLD was and what was happening to her body. And I, I, I turned it into a a nine-year-old version so she Mm -hmm. could understand what was going on. Instead of saying that there are sulfatides on your brain, I said that, uh, there's brain poops on your brain that are eating away at your brain. So she understood that. And I, I told her the, the things that could potentially happen. You know, I'm like, you could end up in a wheelchair. You could end up dying. And these are the things. And and she and I just sat out there and cried on the four-wheeler for a while. And and But I think that's the point that she finally understood what was happening and, and what was at stake. Mm-hmm. So she, is, she has been amazing through this whole thing, though. She... She takes the shots. She she doesn't complain. She she does all the things she's supposed to, and she tries so hard to to do everything to to get that the doctors have asked us to do. Wow, what a little fighter! I yeah. know. Yeah, she's so cute. Mm-hmm. We've loved following along on social media with you guys and seeing your journey, and you know, being able to like cheer for her and pray for her, and you know, I just can't imagine. 
walking in your guys' shoes and fighting for your child, you know? Mm-hmm. And tell mm-hmm. us about Hazel's journey. So Hazel, um, Hazel's journey is going to be a little different. Uh, with with Leah, she was a little t- too far progressed to be able to do any other options for treatment. But uh, Hazel, where she has no symptoms and there's really hardly anything going on up in her brain with it, uh, she was a good candidate for an experimental gene therapy. Uh, and this is, this is going on as a trial in Milan, Italy right now, and things are still pretty new. Uh, they just started treating people in the U.S. with this gene therapy last year in September. The first one was done. Um, and I think they've done two other children in the U.S. since then. And it's very, you have to get approved to do it because it's so new and, and they're still in trials and still getting the data from it. But uh, essentially what it does is um, over in in Italy, they figured out how to take a uh, an HIV virus and they, they basically gut the inside of it and they reprogram the HIV virus to be able to do what they want it to do. And so, uh, what they'll do is they uh, four weeks, five weeks ago, they, they harvested her bone marrow cells, just like a donor would with a bone marrow transplant. And then they sent it to a lab and they introduced this HIV virus and it went in and it, cut out the bad gene and replaced it with the good gene. Wow. And what they'll need to do, uh, very similar to, to BMTs is that they will need to give her chemo. So she's going to do chemo on Sunday for four days and then a day of rest. And then are going to reintroduce her genes back into her. Um, now the advantage of this over a BMT is that it's her own genes meaning that uh, she's not going to have any rejection concerns. Uh, the body's going to recognize them and it's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be very effective in transporting those enzymes to the brain too. There won't be any issues with the blood brain barrier. So this is expected to be a cure. She will have no progression. Wow. This will stop any progression that's happened so far, which is very minimal. And your wife had to move over to Italy with your daughter. And mm-hmm. how long, tell us how long they're there for. Right. To go so they went this. over in January and they're going to be there till July. So wow. they've got to be there for about six months. Yeah. And then we need to go over every six months, I believe, for a while. And then wow. until she's 18 years old, we're going to be going over at least once a year for checkups and that. So Wow. So you are here fighting with Leah. Mm-hmm. She's over there fighting with Hazel. And then I you got mean, your middle child. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's sick in bed today. Oh, shoot. Yeah. I we just, sent her to school for a week and she got sick. So oh, yeah. I can't imagine how your family feels being thrown into this new diagnosis, new world. Now you're living not even in the same country. Both mm-hmm. of you fighting for your daughter's lives. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it looked a lot different a year ago. It did. It yeah. Did. Wow. And then communicating via phone <laughs> or, <Yeah. laughs> I, you know, FaceTime or whatever. Like, that's got to be so hard, too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, neither of us have gotten much sleep. You know, we oh, will get, you know, four imagine. or five hours at most. And then, you know, maybe once every one or two weeks we'll crash and sleep in a bit. But, mm-hmm. you know, where I'm up a lot with Leah during the night and checking on her and taking care of her and, 
And then uh, man, it's kind of the same way with Hazel. Uh, Hazel's waking up a lot, and it'll get worse next week as she's going through chemo. But um, yeah, a lot to focus on, and mm-hmm. a lot to keep us busy. And and when you can sleep, you you get anxiety so bad that <laughs> yeah. you can't fall asleep because you're just sitting there thinking about everything. Shoot! <laughs> wow. Um. And tomorrow's Mandy's birthday, so we got to figure that oh, out too. Oh. So. Happy birthday, Mandy. This will come out like in a month, but we're thinking of you. I messaged her this morning and just told her we were praying for Leah and, or not Leah, Hazel and, Uh you know, with her chemo coming up and Mm -hmm. she posts the most magical pictures of her little rainbow hair today was just so cute. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Some of the things about Hazel's gene therapy treatment is... Uh, it, it's amazing what they've been able to do with it. Um, there are some up and coming gene therapies that are even more effective. Uh, um, kind of the downsides of Hazel's gene therapy uh, is that it, a it's very very expensive and it takes a lot of time to do it. So this is the most expensive medication in the world right now. Wow. It retails for three point eight million dollars. Mm. Uh, I don't know. That was a couple of weeks ago. I looked up that number. So with inflation, maybe it went up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so it, it's really expensive to do it this way. But then also it's what's called ex vivo. Uh, and that's uh, uh, basically means outside of the body. They have to pull the genes out to edit them and then mm. use chemotherapy to kill what's there. And so, you know, the chemotherapy is just, terrible you know people are pretty familiar with it most people know somebody who went through it 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 swells your brain it you know it uh you're in a fog for months and months after Uh, it affects fertility in the long term and that's that's relatively new because uh with chemo you know they just used to not have people survive cancer but now they have people surviving and starting to to look at these options but uh the newer one, it's called CRISPR, uh, they're coming out with, and uh, similar to what Hazel's getting, only they use what's called a Cas9 bacteria, to, and they reprogram that to go in, and it can cut DNA right where it needs to go. It can cut it and remove a piece, it can replace it, or it can add to it. And this is not what she's getting? This is not what she's getting. Okay. But this is what we can expect down the in the pipeline within the next few years. So I have a question about Mm -hmm. like the HIV Mm -hmm. thing, whatever you called it. Um, Is that for like all gene therapies or is this, is that just for MLD? It's called a lentivirus, meaning slow, slow virus. So they slow it down and dumb it down. So it, it can't do what it originally did. It can't spread and attack her immune system. Okay. And does your insurance help like, or do you have a three point eight billion million dollar bill? <laughs> no, as part of the trial, we got we got really lucky because they cover everything with the trial. They help oh, with wow. housing and oh, I love and, that. And so there's no uh, or, um, um, social influences on the study. They, okay, they provide all that. I'm so grateful because can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> uh, He's like, no, I would do anything <laughs> to save my children. Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like oh, yeah. sure, I will live. <laughs> in a shack i don't uh-huh. know like what when you yeah. like you had to Mortgage make that choice yeah, yeah yeah do whatever oh, you can scary. all of it all i'm of so it. grateful she was accepted into that trial even uh even if we would have had it done stateside in minneapolis um 
they would have donated the gene therapy, but it still would have been over $300,000 just to, wow, for the medical. And, you know, it's hit or miss if the insurance company will cover that. Yeah. And, you know, they, the people that have had been done so far, they got denied several times for wow. it. And finally, the insurance companies at the last minute came through and said, yeah, we'll pay for it. Yeah. So, I think that's the hardest thing about when people get a diagnosis that's, you know, really, severe big the financial burden that follows it you mm-hmm. know so it's huge yeah yeah it's uh i know but, you guys aren't immune to it but i'm you, glad part of it is covered for it's sure just, uh, you know when the life of your child's at stake money doesn't become no yeah a concern anymore you just yeah. do whatever you have to to make sure they survive right. we had a like a pharmacist come up to us at when bain was in primaries and they said, just so you know, like this, I forgot what it was, but it was just like one back black bag that they hooked up to the IV. Mm-hmm. And it's what they give, like, I think, because my aunt said something about infusion. Like, anyways, it's just this crazy amount of money. And they came up and they said, this is what it costs. Are you okay? And I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. Like this, yeah. I don't <laughs> want this conversation ever again. Like you do what you have to do yeah. to yeah. keep him alive. Right. You know? Well, and even like the research stuff, like what you said, even to test your child to see if they have OTC or Mm -hmm. the, the level of what the ammonia. No. Oh yeah. It was like like 30 bucks. When Bain was in the hospital, it was 25 and now it's like $32. And you're like, that is so (laughs) simple guys. Well, the reason they don't is because there's so many steps. Like you have to do it perfectly to get the correct number or what or to get the correct answer okay and if you don't take those perfect steps then it can give you a bad yeah Yeah. but who can like do it again yeah practice (laughs) the big thing there is it's politics you know it's uh insurance companies aren't paying for the genetic testing right now Mm because they haven't been educated on it and the value Mm -hmm. that it is and so there are a lot of organizations out there just pushing hard through legislation with with uh to pass laws to get this stuff made mandatory for all newborns well and think about how many people pass away from underlying genetic issues yeah Mm -hmm. So many. Yeah. Like, that's all I can think of when COVID started. Oh, yeah. I'm like, there's so many people who have underlying issues and have no that idea. have no idea. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Exactly. So you guys are carriers. I'm sorry. I'm not as smart as you. But if you're carriers, <laughs> is there Trigger. anyone in either of your families that are also carriers or that had it that you that passed away from you didn't know or you did know? So we are systematically going through our family lines and tracing it. So we found okay. out that... I got mine from my dad and Mandy got hers from her dad. And so we're testing family members on both sides. Wow. I know we've gotten my little sister back. She is negative. So her family, she doesn't have to worry about since she's yeah. negative. It will never pop up in their family line again, unless somebody marries in with it. Okay. Um, although the others were still waiting on results, but my siblings have to and they have a 50, 50 shot of having it. And then my, my dad's siblings, have a 50 50 shot of having it yeah. so you know i went and talked to all my aunts and uncles um uh, aunts and uncle uh a few weeks ago and talked to them about it and yeah so they are looking at getting tested to see if they could track it down because uh if if my cousins all have a one in a hundred shot of having this or having a kid with mld you know we need to 
we need to they need to know it. yeah we need to know of these yeah are issues. you do you have anyone who's refused or not cared uh not yet no no we've everybody's been pretty receptive to it is it an easy thing to test for uh-huh okay. yeah yeah it's a company called invite mm-hmm. and you know you can go and do a panel for like 250 dollars with them and it gives you uh, a pretty good amount of major ones that they scan for yeah and they send you a swab in the mail you swab your cheek and send it back and mm-hmm. then within four weeks you've got your results but uh how wouldn't it be so great if they just did that with every baby that's born oh a hundred percent but also puts my anxiety through the roof like if i had a newborn baby like okay they're gonna have cancer they're gonna have this like wait what i think it's such a positive good thing it's such a great resource Mm -hmm. that should be available but it also like for me personally i'm like i want to know but i really don't can you tell my husband (laughs) i want to know everything now i'm like knowledge is power because i was pregnant with ledger when bane passed away and when i was in there they're like do you want to do genetic testing i'm like i want all the testing like i don't want any more surprises in my life right now like you give it to me straight yeah so yeah and we're getting there you know it's this is gonna be a common thing eventually and Mm -hmm. i think insurance companies will catch on because they'll notice that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure oh and it's much easier to pay for a gene therapy Mm -hmm. than it would be to pay for a lifetime of uh, feeding tubes and wheelchairs mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, millions and millions of dollars of, of care for a child with severe disabilities. Yeah. Um, but going back to uh, the CRISPR, uh, why it's such a better option. Uh, so you don't have to do the chemo. It's in, in vivo. So they give you a series of shots and that's it. And then the DNA rewrites itself inside the body. Oh, wow. And it's relatively cheap to make and they can do it fairly quickly. They actually uh, used similar technology for the COVID vaccine that came out. And that's why they were able to get it out so quickly and cost effective is because it's got the same underlying concepts under it. Okay. But uh, the scope of, of uh, CRISPR is almost limitless. As of today, they, they've cured sickle cell anemia, sickle cell anemia, They've cured AIDS with it. I don't know if you read a few weeks ago about the woman who was cured of AIDS. No. Okay. Um, they transplanted uh, a heart grown in a pig into a human. And now he passed away last week. Yeah, I saw he passed away, but I thought that was so incredible. That that... He made it past the one-month threshold, which is yeah, huge. Right. I mean, they're not sure why he passed away. They said everything was working great. But... Um, but uh, we're just within a few years with CRISPR of being able to cure almost every deadly disease out there. Cancer will be gone soon. AIDS, like I said, it's we've cured it in one person already. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Aging, they've actually figured out how to reverse aging by over 20 years in humans. Whoa. Um, I looked up OTC. Mm-hmm. Um, with OTC, there are over 300 genetic markers that can contribute to it and cause OTC. Right. They, so that number... Is for over 400. Over 400. Yeah, yeah. Wow. There's an article. Um, anyways, I can't remember, but I could give it to you after. But yeah, over 400. So wow. the the study they're doing on OTC with CRISPR right now is they, they would have had to gone through and edit over 400 genes uh-huh. to make sure that uh, to cure it. But they actually did another way. Oh. They went and they found another 
cell in the body and they added to it the instructions on how to produce the enzyme. So different okay. cells in the body can now produce the enzyme. Wow. They have a cure for OTC. That's awesome. What? That's, That's pretty cool. Incredible. Yeah. 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 And that it's just, you know, cool. it'll be just a matter of time to get it approved and get right. it through. And, and yeah. then it'll be and a then get thing. insurances to cover genetic because that's yes. where like these babies are born and they yeah. die within just a few days because, yeah. you know, they don't get what they need and not and the right test knows. and nobody knows. Yeah. Because, you know, they just get lethargic and don't eat, fall yeah. asleep, have seizures, stuff like that. Oh, so yeah. that makes me getting so the right happy. testing. So hopefully. Hopefully, mm-hmm. genetic test testing can be huge. So, right. in in medical history, there was a huge breakthrough. I think it was back in 1959. It was a spinal shunt, and what that what happened there um, it was with the with spina bifida. Before 1959, if you were born with spina bifida, you would die. But then they invented the spinal sh- shunt. They were able to drain the fluid off of the spine and. All of a sudden, they had a spike in children who were surviving uh, this significant disease, and this is this is going to be even more dramatic of a change than that spinal shunt. It's going to mm. be something that changes what we do medically for almost everything. It's it's huge. If if you have time, there's a Nova episode called Human Nature that goes through it and talks about it. That's really really good. But uh, wow. It's it's amazing to see what they're they're doing with it. That's incredible. Listen to you. Like, <laughs> can we hang out all day and you I can know. just teach me all the things? <laughs> well, like, the microphone turns on. My brain turns to mush. I have no memory. I have no, like, I can't say big words. And you're over here throwing things, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. So <laughs> you're doing great, and you're teaching us so much. I don't know how you remember well, I mean, yeah, all just this stuff. Listen to you. Like, yeah. you have really educated yourself. Yes. To like help your family, like I, yeah. that's impressive. Yeah. So um, I, I just felt strongly that I need to go get a, a degree in uh, uh, disability counseling mm-hmm. back, you know, 10 years ago or so is when I finally graduated with it. And wow. I don't know why I need to go get it, but I did and worked in that field for a while. And now I understand why I yeah. got and went there. So, yeah. Um, one thing that, that I wanted to bring up and talk about a little was, uh, you know, with there, there's something called existential angst that mm. humans experience. And what that is, is that we are not comfortable naturally with, with things that remind us of our own fragility and our own mortality. So we are not comfortable with death. We're not comfortable when we see somebody with a disability because of this. Because it reminds us that that could be me in the chair. You know, one car accident, I could be in a wheelchair. Yeah. Um, and so as humans, we naturally want to fix things. We want to make things okay. We're not, we don't like feeling uncomfortable. And when, you know, most all of us have had the loss of a loved one. And, and the worst thing you can say to somebody who has somebody had passed away is something like, Oh, they're in a better place. Or it, it, here in Utah, they always say, "Well, you'll get to see them after this life. Your mm-hmm. family is forever." But that's not what somebody wants to hear when they've lost somebody. Yeah. Um, they don't want to be cheered up. They don't <laughs> want to be made happy. Uh, grief, sadness, those are natural feelings. We need mm-hmm. to feel those, and we need to experience those. It's part of the grieving process. And 
we need to understand that when we are dealing with people who are going through that, that they don't need to be cheered up. They, they need somebody who is just there for them that understands that the feelings they're feeling. Uh, one thing that, that I do uh, when I talk to somebody who has lost somebody is I try to bring up memories of the person they lost and just talk about that. And, mm-hmm. and that, that's very helpful. But uh, you know, we just, we just need to realize that some things don't need to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it, it's very similar actually with the onset of a disability. Uh, when I was in school, we learned that when there's the onset of a disability, when somebody becomes disabled, uh, it is the end of one life and the beginning of a new life, a new mm-hmm. person. Uh, a lot of the things that they could do before they can't do now. Leah wanted to be a pediatrician. Um, cognitively, she's progressed enough with the MLD that college isn't going to be an option for her. You know, she's in special education now, and I don't, I don't know where she will be uh, when she grows up. But you know, that's that's the end of one life and the beginning of a new life. Mm-hmm. You know, she might still end up in a wheelchair. She might still end up on a feeding tube. Um, but we just don't know. And, and and through this, it, it's similar to experiencing death when there's an onset of a disability because you lose that person you knew yeah. um, and they become a new person. But uh, and, and that happens, the same thing, that existential angst happens. People will come up and be like, oh, you're so lucky she's alive. Oh, she can still do this. She can still do They try to be positive about it. And no, you need to take the time and you need to grieve and the loss of what your child and what your family has lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like losing a child. Oh yeah. Right. You you lost the future. Mm-hmm. She lost her future. Exactly. Yeah. So. And you grieve the life you thought you had mm-hmm. with her, you know, mm-hmm. things look different. I remember being in the hospital with Tay and I would just pray. I'm, I don't care. I don't care if she can never talk again, walk again. I just want my baby back, you know? And for you to be fighting with your daughter, no matter what the outcome, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I just had to stop and tell someone once. I said, "Stop! I need to. I need you to realize mm-hmm. what she has lost." Yeah, and yep. and it's hard. It's yeah, hard to, it is hard to think of that. Yeah. That is one of the things, though, that I do think that we as, I mean, it's human nature, but go sit with those people mm-hmm. like don't try and don't make try them, and fix it yeah don't fix it and i mm-hmm. i mean i'm yeah. saying this but also i'm saying it to me right oh, 100%. <laughs> as well but yeah. like yeah just go sit with them in their darkness kind of or yeah. or you know what i mean uh-huh. like and if they're having a bad day go sit with them yeah in their bad day if they're having a good day go sit with them in their good mm-hmm. day like go to them be you know yeah i've been listening to an audiobook during all this, when we, we road tripped out to Minnesota with Hazel back in October, mm. it's when uh, plane tickets were like three grand round trip. So, oh. <laughs> so we drove and uh, yeah, we went past Mount Rushmore two times within a couple of months because we took Leah out there before. And, uh-huh. um, but uh, this, this book, The Art of Thinking Clearly by Ralph Dobelli, mm-hmm. he brought up a point in there that just kind of hit home with me. He said, you know, as humans we have a need to act when something happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes acting is not the best option. Right. The best thing sometimes to do is not to act. And, uh, you know, that really, 
hit hard that uh, sometimes we just need to let things happen. Mm-hmm, yeah. And uh, that actually helped out a lot. The you know with with all of this that's happened, most of our decisions have been really easy. Mm-hmm. The doctors will come and say, "Hey, do you want to let your kid die or do you want to do this?" And we're like, "Let's do this." <laughs> Every time. Yep. Every time. Yeah. But there was a really hard one that came to us when it came to fertility. Mm. Um, when, when we were getting Hazel ready for her stuff, the, the issue with fertility came because, um, when you do chemo, it, it can kill, you know, 70 to a hundred percent of your eggs. And, uh, so we don't know if she'll be able to have kids in the future. Uh, and there's, there's an experimental, procedure out there right now where they can cut out an ovary and then they freeze it cryogenically and then uh, hopefully in the future they'll be able to figure out a way to mature the egg so there's nothing guaranteed about it they they can do it with an ovary that has matured eggs right now but there's only a 30 percent success rate so that's still pretty low yeah um but uh, but with this, they don't even know how to mature the eggs if it's for a child. Mm-hmm. And I, I, we we struggled with this so bad because we're like, do we take out the ovary and freeze it and hope that she can use it in the future, or we do we leave it in? And um, we know that if we left it in, it would give her more of a chance of keeping the eggs. It give her more of a chance of developing hormones naturally for when she goes through puberty. Um. But for the other one, you just it's just kind of a, you know, do this and maybe we'll have something in the future. Yeah. And I looked at some things with CRISPR and developing, regrowing new eggs. And I talked to the the doctor about it and I said, well, you know, we've got this theoretical thing where you're hopeful that you'll be able to mature these eggs in the future and implant them in her. And, but then there's this other here that they might be able to just have her regrow an ovary or regrow eggs and so, you know, they're about equal shots there. So we ended up not acting. You know, we decided just to keep her ovary in there and give her the best shot now as possible. And so that helped me a lot when, when we were going through that to be able to, to say, hey, I don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for MLD awareness, I think just the big thing is to go out and advocate for pre you know neonatal and prenatal genetic testing Mm -hmm. and and that's just not for mld that's for all the disorders out there and diseases that if if we can get those mandated it's going to save a lot of lives a lot of grief and a lot of hardship Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i mean of course i 100 percent agree with you on all of that i just think push for that yeah i just think that's where it's at you know, I mean, mm-hmm. could you imagine if I would have gotten tested yeah. um, when I was pregnant or, you know, or before, I guess, before yeah. even having children, I don't know, but my life would look different, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. And I, you know, Nix, she's lucky now. She knows that she has, she's a carrier of OTC. So she knows for her future children, mm-hmm. but you know, just genetic testing. I don't know. There's. I think it's scary how many things are out there that we don't even know. Yeah. So knowledge is power. Yep. Mm-hmm. 100%. So wow. Thank you so much, Cash, for coming on today. Yeah. It was fun to come down. 
good to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. We just love your family and we, do. we are with you and fighting with you. Just anything we can do to help. I know it's not much. I mean, <laughs> but we are here if we ever, yeah, if we you ever need anything. Thank yes. you. We've, we've, uh, you know, we've had a lot of people help us out a lot. We've been able to, uh, you know, Mandy and I haven't really worked since August mm-hmm. and we're probably not going to be able to work until next August at least. You know, I've taken a couple of jobs here and there. We're both self-employed, so that's good. But um, we've had a lot of people reach out and help us so that we can focus on taking care of our kids. And mm-hmm. Yeah. That's been, that's been huge. It's been a great help. Right. Yeah. So glad. Me too. Well, thank you for being here and thank you everyone for listening. for listening to this week's episode make sure to leave us a rate and review wherever you are listening you can also email us at making lemonade podcast one at gmail.com you can also find us on instagram at making lemonade dot podcast or facebook at making lemonade with wit and kills you can also find out more about my foundation bane's legacy at Facebook and Instagram at Bane's Legacy and www.baneslegacy.com. And you can find out more about my foundation. You can find us on social media at TTTuff and our website is tttuff.org.